Anytime that I have the opportunity to minister the word, I, uh, I definitely count it a privilege and an honor. So thank you so much, Pastor Jamian, for allowing me uh, to minister the word to you today. For those of you that uh, don't know me or I haven't had a chance to introduce myself to you, my name is uh, Beto, or Roberto's my, my name, but uh, everybody here calls me Beto, um, unless you're my wife and you call me babe or honey or handsome or uh, a barrage of many different wonderful things that my beautiful bride calls me. But I am one of the, uh, the pastors here at, uh, at Impact Church. Um, I, I would say that, you know, like in the, uh, uh, in the Old Testament, you would say that so-and-so is of the house of whoever, right, and the different tribes. Uh, I, I guess I would, I would say that I, uh, I'm kind of under the house of Becker because uh, I came to know the Lord uh, 23 years ago under Pastor Jamin Becker. I, I grew up and was disciple and came to know the Lord and, and was ordained uh, uh, as a minister under Pastor uh, uh, Jamin's uh, father. And uh, it is a blessing to now be, uh, you know, uh, working alongside of Pastor Jamin, serving under Pastor Jamin definitely is a blessing to do that. And then obviously uh, my sister, uh, Olga Becker, we've been uh, friends since uh, we were kids. So uh, it's, uh, she's probably my longest standing friend. So uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a, it's a bad thing, but it's, uh, we've been, uh, I, I, you know, I think we've seen our good sides and we've seen our bad sides. <laughs> I just thank God that we are in a place where uh, the Lord covers everything. Amen. Hallelujah. So definitely uh, a blessed to be here today. And uh, so today we're, we're continuing and, and, and possibly concluding our, our, uh, our series, Counting the Cost. And today what I want to propose to you is counting the cost of what it looks like to be a man or woman after God's own heart. So if you are here and you consider yourself a devoted Christian, today's message is about examining your own heart. Examining where you are at, where you're at. Counting the price of being a man or woman after God's own heart. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Many times we go through life and we call ourselves Christians, but there may not be anything Christian about us. We may fall into culture or different things that we do. For, for those of us that, uh, especially if you're uh, Mexican or of Hispanic descent, many of us that uh, naturally, you know, culture and religion are tied very tight closely together. Sometimes you don't know where religion or culture you know, begins and ends, right? So you do so many different things and you walk through life thinking that you are walking with the Lord when in reality you are walking in tradition. And if we're not careful, we can make the same thing about our walk with the Lord. Just because we come to church on Sundays, just because we listen to the radio, just because we occasionally pray, just because occasionally we open our Bible it doesn't mean that we are devoted followers of Christ. So what I want to propose to you today is this, is to examine yourself to see if you are in the Lord. It says, the word says, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Oftentimes we talk about the Christian life of being a race, right? Paul puts it that way. It is a race. And we don't want to be disqualified 
You know, and this brings to mind, you know, the Chicago Marathon is about a week away. And as I was thinking about that, a person come, comes to mind. There was a lady by the name of Rosie Ruiz, who was the 1980 female marathon uh, winner of that year. That's her right there. And a couple things that you will notice about her. Uh, when you see me finish a marathon, I, I, I don't look like that. I, I, my shirt is a mess. I got like salt stains all over my, my, my head. I'm just like, you can definitely see my lips are all white. And you can definitely see that I was pushing and that I was doing whatever it took to get the race done. But yet, here she is. Uh, barely, I mean, the size of her shirt are not even wet. She's like, and when you see videos of her running, um, you can definitely see that there was something going on. So what had happened is, is that the year before, um, Rosie had actually finished the New York Marathon that actually got her qualified for the Boston Marathon. And she had done it in a wonderful time of like two hours and 56 minutes or something like that, which is Pretty good, pretty good, right? My best time is 3.58, and uh, I can only drink to break uh, three hours. I, I pray that one day I will, but uh, I'm okay if I don't, you know? I'm just, I just do it for, uh, just for the endurance. I do it just so that I can push myself, but I don't know if I want to push myself that hard, amen? Um, I don't know if I really want it that way. So she had won, or she had finished the marathon in two hours and 52 minutes, so all of a sudden, People in his office are like, wow, Rosie, you did so good. You should go ahead and, and you qualify for Boston, so you should go ahead and race it. We'll actually pay for you to do that. Unbeknownst to them is that Rosie had actually hopped on the subway <laughs> and finished the marathon in two hours and 52 minutes. So fast forward, 1980, Boston Marathon, one of the most prestigious marathons that, that exists, right? You have to have qualifying times to make it there. I can only hope and dream to one day uh, run the Boston Marathon. Uh, so what happened is, is that she figured, you know what, I will do the same thing. The problem is, is that she miscalculated and she actually jumped into the, back into the race a, a half a mile, uh, almost as, as she was done. The problem is, is that she jumped in too early, and she ended up finishing in two hours and 31 minutes. The lady that was actually in first place, she came in right as they were putting uh, the crown on her and put, putting the medal on her, and people were wondering what happened. So long story short, then it became known that she actually had cheated and not only her this, this, um, is this indiscretions of the Boston Marathon came to be, but also of those of the, uh, the um, New York Marathon. And as I think about this, I think about this is that we got to live life in such a way that we don't get to the end. And the Lord says, depart from me. I never knew you. Because just like Rosie, we may be thinking that we're running a good race. We may be thinking that we are getting there, that we're playing the part, that we're doing all these different things, only to come to find out that people know that you're a fraud, that people can tell that you are not. All the other runners, they're like, like she was like running all like, and, and like no form, you know, like no muscles. They're asking her, hey, what did you do to improve your time? Were you running intervals? And she was like, ha, ha, I was working really hard. I actually don't know what intervals. What are intervals? 
So uh, you know that that's the case. So let's not get ourselves caught up in the same situation where we think that we are living that Christian life, where we think that we're doing the things that God has called us to do, where we think that we are in the race and people can tell a mile away that you're just playing the part. So today, if you are a Christian, I'm asking you to examine yourself, to examine the cause of being a man or a woman after God's own heart. How many of you want that? Amen. If you are not, um, if you are just starting your walk or really want to commit yourself to the Lord, today's message is about finding delight in God, committing to Him, and having a contrite heart for spiritual growth, forgiveness, and fulfillment of God's purposes in your life. So how many of you want that? How many of you want to say, you know what? I want to be known as a man or a woman after God's own heart. How many want that? You know, and it's so easy for me to look at, at, at Pastor Jamin's, uh, you know, legacy, looking at his grandfather and, and so clear and so evident that he was a man after God's own heart. And because he was a man of, uh, after God's own heart, we are here. We are here worshiping together because one man said, you know what? I want to serve the Lord above all things. And it's all about you, Lord, and I want, I want to serve you. But being a man or a woman after God's own heart, there's a high price, price to be paid. But there is also such a high reward for wanting that. I remember when I first, um, when I first came to the Lord, in the first couple of years, um, I actually decided that I was not going to date anybody because I just felt that the Lord needed to clean certain things up in my heart. I mean, I, I was a mess. I mean, you, you did not want to know who I was. And that's why I was telling you earlier, when I, when I think about the grace of God to allow me to be here, to just allow me to be covered by him, despite of who I was and what I did and where I've been and what I've touched and everything that you can think of, I'm just so thankful that the Lord was so gracious and so kind. So right before I, got, I met my wife or my beautiful bride, one of the things that I, that I had was a desire um, that I said, Lord, you know what? I have a desire to have a companion, but you know what? I'm giving this to you. This is my sacrifice to you because I want to know you more. I want to know you more in, de uh, more, more in depth. I want to know you more intimately. So I'm just giving this to you. And as I was praying, I said, God, you know what? I, I, I want to be able to have a partner that is going to love you even more than I love you. Little did I know what I was praying for was a woman after God's own heart. And those of you that know my beautiful bride can tell that she truly is a woman after God's own heart. Amen. You know, it's so awesome because she's translating and she has to say this about herself. <laughs> that is so awesome. I wonder what she's saying. I wonder if she's mixing it up and changing it or talking herself down, you know. Uh, but again, the price is high, but the reward is also beautiful. As you delight yourself in him, the Lord will just do great things for you. Amen. So to say that someone is after um, 
after someone's own heart, that means that they have similar tastes, right? Or similar values, interests, qualities with another person. It implies that two people have a strong connection or bond because they are alike in a significant way, right? My, my beautiful bride is always quick to say when one of our, our children is doing something, she's quick to say, oh yeah, you're, 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 a, 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 you know, you're right after your daddy's heart in that, in that case. So we know that, right? So um, here at Impact Church, uh, how many of you uh, like um, Reese's um, peanut butter cups? How many of you here uh, like the White Sox? So, as you guys can tell, Pastor Jamin is cheering you on over here. So, I guess if you like those things, even though you may have a bad taste in a baseball team, it could be said, it could be said that you are a man or a woman after Pastor Jamin's heart. So, today I actually got a little bit of a, a heartbreak. Uh, Sian, can you come, come up here for one second, please? Here's our uh, Pastor Jamin's uh, walking and leaving illustration coming right up. Give it up for, uh, for the man, the legend. So today, I, I had a little bit of a, a heartbreak, you know, because today I, I noticed that uh, he's wearing this terrible jersey. You know, if you're, if you're Mexican, if you're from Mexico, you know that um, there's, you know, diff, you know, tell the peanut gallery to uh, be quiet over there. Michael, get your dad on check, please. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you're from Mexico, you know that this team is uh, um, not, not <laughs> the greatest. or whatever. So we got a few people here that are for this team, right? But then there's other people that are for, that are, yeah, you got Chivas and you got other people like myself that you go for two teams, your soccer team and anybody that's playing against America, right? So today, I can definitely, a little, even though I was a little uh, um, heartbroken, I can see that Zion is after his grandma's heart because Mama Candy is also an America fan, right? So she's always, always kind of giving me a hard time about it. So thank you, Zion. And now uh, please take that shirt off. Uh, I, I expect you to come up to the altar for repentance here after the end of the service. And for all you Americanista fans, I expect to see you up here too as well, all right? So we see that after, when you say that somebody's after somebody's own heart, you can see that it's something that has to do with that, you know, with sharing something in common. And during the second week of our current series, Counting the Cost, Pastor Jamin highlighted how King David had failed in several ways. Number one, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, right? This is during the times when they usually go out to wars, King David just got complacent, and he just says, you know what, I don't need to go, I'm, I'm good, things are going well, you know, I'll just stay home and chill, right? And as I think about that, how many of us, you know, uh, maybe a, a, a football game comes on, or something's like, yeah, you know what, I've been to church a lot, this is, I'm just going to stay home and chill. And then all of a sudden, we're no longer, like, on guard, we are no longer watching what's going on around us, right? So King David finds himself just kind of chilling at home, 
Um, I still kind of wonder how, you know, what was Bathsheba doing, like taking a bath outside? What, what, what was going on with that, right? That, that's the other question that I have, and I'll, I'll make sure that when I meet David, it's like, hey, David, how did that come about, you know? Um, but anyway, so, so he ended up committing adultery with uh, Bathsheba. The second thing that happened is, is that in order for him to cover what he had done, he ended up killing his her husband, right? He wanted to go ahead and cover his sin, right? Because Bathsheba was, was uh, pregnant. She was with babies, so he wanted to cover it up. In addition to that, there were other incidents that happened. For example, he conducted a census that was not authorized by the Lord. So why was it wrong with doing a, a census? Well, it's a matter of pride. How much money do I have? How many people do I have? What big of an army do I have that I can go and conquer other people? It goes beyond trusting the Lord. It's kind of like with tithe and offering, right? You count your costs and you're like, okay, let me see how much money do I have in my bank account. But you know what? I'm going to be careful not to give my tithe because that may cut me a little bit short. Whereas the other perspective is being able to say, Lord, all that I have is yours and I'm just going to trust you with everything. And even the little bit that I have, I know that you're going to stretch it out. David also had lack of discipline with his children. So what happened is, is that his son Anon raped his half-sister Tamar, and David failed to do the appropriate action. And then later on, his son ended up rebelling against him, and you end up having like a civil war, and got David going into hiding once again, and all these different things that happen. And at different times, he also had a failure to uphold justice. So, and, and there's different notable times where he did that, right? So when you see this, you, we see that David had many failures. But yet, in scriptures, in both the Old and the New Testament, David is described as a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel 13, 14 says, But now your kingdom shall not continue, speaking of Saul. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded. Second instance in the New Testament Acts 13.22, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And you know, when I was a new believer, I was a little perplexed and even confused about such statements, right? Because we just talked about what it means to be after somebody's own heart. But then I'm saying, okay, so does that mean that God is adulterous? Does that mean that God is a murderer? Does it mean that God fails to do justice? Does it mean that God is, is just a failure altogether? You know, it, it is a little bit perplexing, right? And even conflicting at times. But while... But you know what? But the thing is, is that that, that could be so conflicting because, because you could be thinking, how could it be? But then I came to realize that being a man 
after God's own heart. Didn't mean that he was in his likeness per se, but rather that he was chasing, rather that he was pursuing after God's heart, that he was pursuing after God's law, that he was pursuing after what God wanted him to do. So in essence, what David was doing is that, that he was in hot pursuit, he was chasing after God's own heart. So again, so when, when, when we hear David as a man's own heart, the emphasis has to be in his faith, in his repentant spirit, the devotion to God through worship and praise. He made everything that he could to worship the Lord, to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to the, uh, to, uh, to, to the place of God, back with the Israelites. So he was working towards all those things. And, and not only that, but he also had a special covenant with God that God actually had made with him. So while David had his flaws, his overall character, and his response to his mistakes demonstrated a deep devotion and sincere desire to follow God's will. And that's why we remember him in such a positive light. So how many of you want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? Let's go ahead and dig into today's text. And then I'm going to give you a few takeaways that will hopefully illustrate how David became a man after God's own heart. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, it will also help you to get there. Amen? So the first mention of David is found in 1 Samuel the 16th chapter, after God became displeased with Saul, right? Saul had done so many different things, so many, he, he was disobedient, he wasn't following what the man of God was telling him to do. In simple terms, he rejected Saul because Saul had first rejected God. More specifically, Saul rejected God's word delivered by Samuel, who was God's prophet. Right before uh, the battle against the Philistines, Saul did not wait for Samuel as he is instructed. Instead, Saul disobeys and offers a sacrifice by himself. So not only was he not following the instruction, but now he was elevating himself to a place that only belonged to God's prophet. And at that time, Samuel was um, uh, the, only, uh, the only prophet in the land. So in 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 11, we read, Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. So he was waiting for him, right? But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring the burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you gotten impatient and decided to take matters into your own hand, even though the Lord is telling you to wait? How many of you have done that? I mean, I've done it. Shoo. I'll confess right in front of you here. Sometimes we become a little bit impatient, right? So we become, we become impatient and we just don't wait for the Lord. And then it says, now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what 
have you done? So let's jump to verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he, com which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought a man for, his, uh, for himself, a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. So we see here that Saul was rejected because he was not a man after God's heart. But rather, he was a man after Israel's heart. He was more concerned about what people were saying. He was more concerned about the, the, the things that the people uh, were saying and whatnot. Because we knew that deep inside, he had a lot of pride. So again, we see that, that he was not a man after God's own heart, but he was a man after Israel's heart. How many of you ever get frustrated because you're praying, you're asking God, and you're not getting the things that you want, right? And oftentimes, we don't get the things that we want because it's not according to the will of God for our lives. It's the will for my life and what I want for my life and the desires that I put inside my heart, right? James 4.3 tells us, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. When you do that, you can't say that you're a man or a woman after God's own heart. You are a man or a woman after your own heart. And again, if you are a believer uh, and you consider yourself a devoted follower of Christ, it is time for us to really examine ourselves. It is time for us to examine the things that we are praying for. It is time for us to examine why God is not answering those prayers. It is time for us to truly examine ourselves as to why we want the things that we're asking the Lord. So instead of growing frustrated, instead of growing just mad at God because he's not answering your prayers, ask yourself, what am I doing wrong where am I missing the mark? Where has life become more about me than about glorifying God, than bringing glory to the king? Because life is not about us, it's about him. We were created by him and for him, not the other way around. And we just got to be careful because otherwise we just make, like Jesus, like a genie in the bottle, right? You take your Bible and you're like, you're like and let's see what comes out. And sometimes nothing comes out because we're asking with the wrong motives. So we see that Saul was all about image. He was about prestige and all the things, things that men look at. And that's why when God spoke to Samuel, he says, you know what? Don't look at the outward appearance because when Saul was selected as king, the word tells us that he was tall and handsome. Right? He was tall and handsome. Probably a little bit a taller version of Pastor Jamin. Uh, uh, you know, he was tall and handsome, right? And he needed to be that. Why? Because the people needed to see somebody who represented them, right? They, they, he needed to be somebody who stood out. That other nations would look at and be like, oh, wow, look at that. You know, and, 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 and being in that particular area. But then the Lord says, don't worry. Don't look at the, at the outward appearance. Look at the heart. Look at the heart. It says, but God will now give Israel a man after his own heart, 
and he will raise him to be the next king. And that was David. So it would be easy to say that the kingdom was taken from Saul because he sinned. Um, and on one level, that was true. But it was more than that. David also sinned. But yet God never took the kingdom from David and his descendants. As a matter of fact, Jesus came from the lineage of David. So what was the difference? The issue was bigger than an incident of sin. The issue was being a man after God's own heart. So for David, what does it look like to be a man after God's own heart? See, a man after God's own heart does one thing, honors the Lord. Again, Saul was more concerned with his will and the things that he wanted to do rather than following after God's heart. David, on the other hand, was more concerned with pleasing God, doing his will. And that's the difference between them, uh, those two. And we understand that all sin is in disregard of God. But David sinned more out of weakness and Saul more out of a disregard from God. So whenever we're facing temptation, whenever we're, we're, we're about to sin, right, there's one thing that happens, right? It's like sometimes you get tempted and you're like, oh, you fall and, 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 uh, and, and you sin. And you, you know, one of the things that I've learned early on in my walk with the Lord is to just get up and shake myself off and keep on moving. Say, Lord, that was a moment of weakness. I am moving forward. But then there is a difference when you know that what you're doing is wrong. And you're like, Lord, I know that what you're telling me to do is, is wrong. I know that this is wrong. And you do it. You make it a lifestyle. That's the difference. That's the difference between David and, and, and Saul. He, David sinned out of weakness. But Saul was sinning out of disregard for God. He just didn't care what God had to say. A man after God's own heart enthrones God as king. For Saul... Saul was king. He was the king. For David, the Lord was king. And you know, many of us don't have, don't have any problems coming to know the Lord and, and, and calling him our, our savior, right? Many of us don't have any problems saying, you know what? I want to be baptized and I want to uh, come out of that water and say, hey, I am one with Christ now, right? I am walking with, with, with Christ. The problem for many of us it says that we have such a hard time making him our Lord. And there's a difference there, right? We need to make Jesus Christ not only just our Savior, but we need to make him the Lord of our lives. That everything that we do filters right through his mind and, and through his word. That we use the word of God as our filter through every decision that we make. It's all about that. So again, a man of, after God's heart enthrones God as king. A man after God's heart loves other people. Saul became so bitter against people and lived more and more for himself. But David, on the other hand, he loved people. 
He loved those people that maybe they were also in the run with him. And people actually wanted to be with David when he was on the run. And all of a sudden, he's got all these people. Like, Where'd you guys come from? And, and there were people from all over the place because why? He loved people. So again, a man after God's heart loves other people. A man after God's heart has a soft, repented heart. When Saul was confronted with his sin, what did he do? He offered excuses. But when David was confronted with his sin, he confessed his sin and he repented. 2 Samuel 12, 13 says, So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to him, said to David, The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. So God is looking for men and women that are after his heart. So as you look at, your, at, your, at yourself, as you look at your heart, could it be said of you that you are a man or a woman after God's own heart? Or could it be said that you are a man or a woman after your own heart? And, and, and I understand, you know, I think that when we are coming of age, right, I think that um, especially when you're in your teenage years, you're exploring life, you're, you're, you're open to more knowledge, to more understanding, and you just kind of want to do your thing. You're like, you know, I understand what God says, or even if you may be a young adult, and you're like, you know what, I, I understand what the Word says, but you know what, I just want to do me right now. I just want to do me. The problem with that is, is that you may be doing you for a long time, because God's going to say, you, you, you're not getting anything from me. You want to do you? You do you, boo. I do me. You know? So the question, once again, is here. Do you want to be a, a man or a woman after God's own heart? And you know, and I, and I think that, that David gives us a key in the Psalms of what it's like to be a man and woman of God. Because if 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel are David's biography... The Psalms are his diary. Because in the Psalms is where you see what he was going through. In the Psalms is what you see what's happening in his heart. You know, and during the most difficult moments of my life, I have found myself running to the Psalms. Back in 2009, when my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer, and I heard the words coming from the doctor saying, stage four stomach cancer, two to four months to live. Two to four months to live. I ran to the Psalms. I ran to Psalm 116 that says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon his name as long as I live. And then he goes on and talks about being entangled by death and being pressured and everything else. And then we, um, and then, and then in verse 10 it says, I believe, therefore I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. And I said in my haste, other verses say, in my distress, I said, all men are liars. Because in that moment, I was saying, you know what? I don't care what the doctors are saying. 
I care what you say, Daddy. And I know that you're good. And I know that you're kind. And my mom went to live 16 and a half months because God's faithfulness. Because of God's faithfulness. And see, every circumstance that we face in life, we either got to believe what man says or we got to believe what the Lord says. We got to believe that what the Lord says, that he says that he has planned for us, that he, has, that he wants to prosper us, that he wants to move us forward. And we have to make a decision as to what we are going to believe. So personally, I believe that David, David gave us such a good key of understanding how to be a man or woman after God's own heart through the Psalms. Amen? And I believe that when I first came to know the Lord um, over 22 years ago, I believe that I inadvertently discovered one of David's keys of becoming a man after God's own heart. And I think those of you that know me know uh, the scripture that I'm going to talk about, Psalms 37 and 4, but that's the one that's generally quoted, but I'm going to use uh, Psalms 37, 3 through 6. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And sometimes people like stop right there. But the next verse is really important, right? It says, commit your way to the Lord. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, and I, and I really want to encourage you, if you are facing trouble, tribulation, if you have been done wrong in any way, I highly encourage you to read the entire Psalm, 37 Psalm, because I believe that it will speak to you, and it will talk to you about how God will vindicate you regardless of what's going on. I, I just love that Psalm. Like I said, in the most difficult moments of my life, I run to the Psalms, amen? So if we look at the life of David, I'm going to give you quick, four quick uh, um, takeaways. I know football's already started. It's already at 12.04, so I better be, be ready because some of you are still not yet a man or a woman after God's own heart, so, and I just got to hurry it up, right? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Is it possible to love football and love God? Yes. The problem is sometimes we just love them equally, and that's a problem. <laughs> Amen. All right, so the, the first point that I want to uh, throw out there is that if you want to be a man or woman behind God's own heart, it's number one. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And you see, it's so easy to trust the Lord when things are going well, right? It's like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You ask somebody, everything's going well. They got money in their bank accounts. Hey, you, sister, brother, how are you doing? You know, blessed and highly favored, and everything's great, and everything else. But it's not so great to trust the Lord, and even less to do good when things are not going well. How many of you have ever maybe been done wrong, or maybe, you know, one of your family members did you a little dirty, right? You poured yourselves to them, and they just paid you with, with just being negative, and it's a bad situation, right? Or, or how many of you have maybe uh, uh, got fired, um, um, not necessarily in a good way, right? They, they did you wrong, and, and you just got, just got fired, and it was very unjust, and, and that happened. Or how many of you maybe got passed over by a uh, 
by a, by a promotion, a job promotion, and maybe somebody who was less qualified than you ended up getting that job. Amen. I see, I, I see a few hands here, right? And I can go on and on of the different things that could happen, right? So in those moments, the word is telling us to trust in the Lord, right? So we're like, okay, Lord, maybe we'll trust you and everything else. But the problem is, is, is that when the Lord is asking you to do good, to bless them, to turn the other cheek, to help the person that just got their job, to train them, to, uh, to uh, you know, just pray for your boss to just fire you, or pray, even continuing to pray for that family member that did you wrong, that treated you like trash, right? It's not easy to do that in those circumstances. David had been anointed by Samuel to be Israel's next king. And even though Saul had been rejected by God and was trying to kill David, David refused to touch God's anointed. He had different opportunities. He actually had two opportunities to strike him down. But he said, you know what? I am not going to trust. I'm not, I am not going to touch the Lord's anointed. I'm just going to be patient. I'm going to trust the Lord. And that's what it looks like to trust the Lord. Even though it's against everything inside of you of what you want to do, you say, Lord, I am just going to trust you. I mean, his men were like inciting him to kill Saul and he refused. Today, I want to remind you of two things. First Peter 3 and 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing. Because to this, you were called said that you may inherit the blessing. Second thing that I want to remind you of today is this. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap the harvest a harvest if we do not give up another script another version says if you do not faint if you do not become weak so i just want to encourage you today if you want to be a man or a woman behind god's heart you gotta trust him and even in the in the midst of injustice continue doing good Continue pushing forward. Second point, delight yourself in the Lord. Once again, this is one that is so close to me, to my heart. But delighting in the Lord means finding joy, pleasure, and satisfaction in Him. It's not just a mere obligation or something that you do, you know, because you just have to do it. It is a heart's response to his goodness. You know, in, in those early days when I came to know the Lord, I had such a deep desire to learn about him. You would find me in my kitchen table with, this is actually one of my first Bibles, and I had like a study Bible, and you would see me in my kitchen table just at night, late, you know, one, two in the morning, just sucking in the word of God because I wanted to learn more about him. I just wanted him to just capture my heart. I just wanted him to do something within me, and I just couldn't get enough of his word. And I found myself wanting to be in the house of God anytime the, the, the church was open. And not only that, but I also wanted to be around 
God's people because to me that's what it meant to delight in him, to just want more of his presence, to be in his presence every opportunity that I had. But you see, the second part of this scripture is very tempting, right? It's very tempting. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. And if we are not careful, we can make this a very transactional relationship. It could be a very transactional relationship. But the truth is, is that we delight in God for one reason, because of his attributes, the love and faithfulness, not because we want to get something out of him. In those early days, you know, at, at some point, you know, somebody um, asked me, it's like, well, what denomination is the church that you go to? I had no idea. I had no clue. All that I knew is that I was in God's presence. All that I knew is that I could feel his spirit. All that I knew is that I had a renewed heart. That's all that I knew because I was delighting in God. And that's all that mattered to me. But you know what? In the process of delighting in him, something happens to our desires. This delight is in the Lord is, um, this isn't delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you a new car or that house that you really want or that job that you really want. No, it's about when you delight yourself in the Lord, then you begin to take delight in what God takes delight in, right? I'm going to say it again. It's when you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, it is not just about what you take delight in. You start realizing that it's more about what God takes delight in. And all of a sudden, your heart begins to beat with the things that beats with God's heart. Your concerns begin to be God's concerns. The things that are God, the things that bring him to light are what you desire as well. And all of a sudden, you are in alignment with God's will. And when that happens, God can't help but to bless you. God can't help but to give you the things that, that you want. And, you know, and I believe that um, the Lord has definitely blessed us, and, and we live a blessed life. And I think as he blesses us, right? Like, for example, our, our home is one of the biggest examples of that. This is that we had certain desires, certain things but they were aligning with God. We're like, Lord, we want a big house so that we can you know, open it up for Bible studies, for small groups, for different things. We want to have a big yard so that we can have church functions and different, different things going on. Well, lo and behold, when you align up with God's will, God can't help but to bless you in that area and to give you the things that you really want. And again, desiring you know, uh, God and, 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 and his... And, Delighting in him is not just about stuff, it's not just about people, but it's about the things that are important for God. And again, it flows out of our relationship as we delight in him. Point number three, and I'm almost done here. Commit your way to the Lord. Commitment to God is a total surrender of our will to his divine plan. And it involves entrusting every single aspect of our life to him. You know, for, for example, work for me is not just work. It's not just the means 
to an end. It's not just how I provide for my family. Work for me is a ministry. And the reason why I say work for me is a ministry is because of the people that I interact with, the opportunities that I have to be a, hopefully a good example of the Lord. But not only that, the job that I choose and what I do at work impacts the way that I interact with my family, the time that I have for them and everything else. And there may be areas that I'm still working on it, but it's not like just like, okay, Lord, this is just, just bless my, my church activities and things that we know. We got to ask the Lord for every single aspect of our life. Commitment requires faith and trust in God's wisdom and, and goodness. Proverbs 3, 5 uh, and 6 reminds us that trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your, on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Commitment involves letting go of our desire for control and allowing God to take the lead. You know, it's like Jesus take the wheel kind of thing. That's exactly what the Lord is asking for. And I know it may be challenging, but it is so necessary for spiritual growth. If you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart, take a look around at those people that are living that life and ask them, what is it about you? What are you doing? How are you walking that I may be able to learn and glean from you? And you will see that you will have people that trust the Lord, that are committed to him, that are delighting in him. But the last thing is this. These are people that have a contrite heart and spirit. And contrite is not a word that we use every day, right? It's like, hey, I'm going to contrite you. Or, hey, I was contrited today. It's not a word that we use every day. But in the context of our faith, it is of the utmost significance. Because contrition is a deep and sincere sorrow for our sins accompanied by a genuine desire for repentance and reconciliation with God. It's not just about being sorry for what you did. It's about saying, God, I need to be reconciled back to you. Unfortunately, oftentimes we've become so immune to our sin and the things that we do that we just think that saying a simple, Lord, forgive me, it's enough. The Lord is looking for you to truly have a broken spirit, for you to have a contrite heart, to really show, to say, Lord, I am not just sorry for what I did, but I'm committing to not do this in the future. Psalms 51 that says, my sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. This psalm was written by David after Nathan had confronted David with his sin. David committed adultery with Bathsheba. She was pregnant. And then David had her husband killed to cover up the tracks of his sin. But since no sin is hidden from God, Nathan confronts David. 
And in his repentance, David wrote Psalm 51. And within this psalm, you see another answer to the question of what a contrite heart and spirit is. Psalm 51 is about David being broken over his sin against God. We have to realize is this, that when we sin, first and foremost, we're sinning against God. Say, for example, David committed adultery, right? Say you're married, you commit adultery. Yes, you are sinning against your spouse. You are sinning against, you know, the other person is married. Maybe you are sinning against the other person's spouse. But first and foremost, you are sinning against God. How do you respond when you have sinned? We see that David was crushed when confronted with his sin. And in reality, this is the desire or the response to sin that God desires in you and me. And in reality, a contrite heart is the pathway to God's forgiveness and healing. 1 John 1, 9 assures us that if we confess our sins, He is what? He's judgmental. He is unforgiven. He holds a grudge. He is not your spouse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My beautiful bride is nothing like that. And I pray that I'm not like that. But if we confess, if confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you see, what sets David apart is this. This is that he was ready to admit his fault and say, Lord, I want to be broken before you. I am sorry. I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, close the service. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And, but one of the things that I want to do today is, is that if you're here today and you are serious about being a man or a woman, after God's heart and any time during this sermon you felt God's conviction of where you're at where you've been the things that you're doing the things that you're going to do <laughs> I pray that you come before his, before his presence if you need prayer we will be happy to pray for you but maybe this is just a time that you just need to come before God's presence and say Lord I'm sorry. Maybe, just maybe, it's time for you to come before the Lord in the same way that David did. To really have a contrite heart and a broken spirit that says, Lord, I am so sorry for what I've done. What sets David apart is that despite these failures that he had, he remained 
he remained and he was described as a man after God's heart. Why? Because he exhibiting, exhibited unwavering faith in God throughout his life. His trust in divine guidance influenced many of the decisions that he made. And that can be seen, in, and this is the last scripture that I'm giving you. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's trust. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still water. That's obedience. Following what the Lord is saying. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, I thank you today, Daddy. I thank you for all the men and women that are here today, Lord. That have looked at their lives and then they've asked their, their, themselves the question, have I enthroned you as king of my life? Am I trusting you in everything that I do? Am I willing to obey? Am I delighting myself in you? Am I trusting you the way that I should? Am I still doing good even when people do me, do me wrong? And I thank you, Lord, that we have people here today that are examining the cost of what it takes to be a man or woman after your own heart. Because the reality is, is that repentance has a high cost. It not only has a cost of admitting that what you've done is, is in the past, that, that what you've done in the past is wrong, but the cost that has to be paid also is, is that we are making a decision that we are no longer taking a part of that activity of that sin going forward as much as we may enjoy it. And that's a high cost to pay. But as high of a cost as it is to pay, Father, your blesses, blessings and riches and your covering and the things that you can do for us, Father, they are so much greater. They are so much more valuable than anything that we can bring for yourself, for, for ourselves, Lord. So right now, Father, under the uh, sound of my voice, I pray, Father, that if there are men and women here that have something to just repent for, to say, Lord, I want to be broken before your presence. And they want to make that, that, that physical declaration by just walking over here and saying, Lord, that's me. I have sinned against you. I have sinned against whatever else that they've, they've sinned, Lord. That they may make their way forward, Lord. And that they may say, Lord, please forgive me. Please restore me. 
please help me to get back in the path that you have set before me. So daddy, I just thank you that right now you are working in people's hearts, Lord. That you are working in people's hearts, Lord, and that they're recognizing that this life is not just about them. It's all about you, Daddy. It's all about you, Father. And we would just want to declare, Daddy, that today we just want to be in your presence. We just want to be right where you're at, Lord. So we thank you, Daddy. We give you all praise, all honor. And we thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name.